You are listening to the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Drew Meyer. For more information about other Life Point Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. We are we, this morning. We're kicking off a new series called Kingdom of Heaven. Really excited. Uh, the next several weeks, first half of the summer, we're going to be diving into this theme of the kingdom of heaven because it's a major theme of Jesus' life and ministry. I believe there's many ways you could describe Jesus' life and ministry, but I, w- I would say one of the most comprehensive ways to describe Jesus' life and ministry would be this. The messianic king of the Jews that came and described the kingdom of heaven and the way into that kingdom. So we, we, have, to, we have to remember Jesus came... As, as a Jew from the nation of Israel. In our modern day, 2,000 years later, we often remove Jesus from his Jewish roots, but much of, of what he spoke and described makes sense from that Jewish framework. And I want us to dive into that in the coming weeks to understand that Jesus came and declared a kingdom. And in our modern day, we don't think in terms of kingdom, but the nation of Israel, they were thinking in terms of kingdom. They were expecting a Messiah and a Savior to speak in these terms. We, we, I mean, we live in a, a democratic world, the globe. Pretty much everyone, every nation is, is, is some form of a constitutional republic or d- democracy of some sort. We don't think in terms of a kingdom. But I want to propose to you that although governmentally we're, we're unfamiliar with kingdom, I, I want to propose to you that we are all born into a natural kingdom. If you think of a kingdom in terms of of a world, uh, a society of values and ways of doing things, we're all born into a natural kingdom where there's presupposed ways of doing things, of getting things done, of making your way, certain things in our society that we're born into that are of great importance. And Jesus, 2,000 years ago, no matter what the ki- natural kingdom is, whether governmentally or just societally, I believe 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and declared a kingdom that was so vastly, starkly different than any natural kingdom. It's called the kingdom of heaven. And I think as as 21st century believers, it is is paramount. It's, It's of great importance that we understand that we are citizens of a kingdom, not of this world. And I want us to wrap our hearts and our minds around that the first half of this summer. And we're going to do that through the book of Matthew. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 4. So we're going to start this morning. The book of Matthew is the good news of Jesus to the Jews. It's written by Matthew, a former tax collector, disciple of Jesus, fully Jewish mindset. And he writes this gospel with the audience of the Jews. And that's the audience that he has in mind. And so throughout this book, we see emphasize the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of heaven, that was the, the framework through which the the Jews were expecting this messianic savior. So it's profound. Throughout the the book of Matthew, actually right here we'll see in in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus says this banner theme of his ministry, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or some translations say repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then as you you peruse through the book of Matthew, which we'll do over the next number of weeks, a number, uh, more than 40 times, Jesus either says the kingdom of heaven is like or the kingdom of heaven can be compared to. He continually describes the kingdom of heaven. It was one of his, the major themes of his ministry. I want us to begin to see Jesus' life and ministry and what he's inviting us into 
through the lens, through the framework of kingdom. Because that will radically change the way we live. So before, I know you all turn to Matthew chapter 4, but turn to the screen here and look at this prophecy about Jesus. Because this gives us a glimpse as to how the Jews were expecting to receive this Savior. In uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, this is, for, t- for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do, th- will do this. That is a, a, a premier prophecy about this coming Messiah, this Savior. And, it's, and it's, its emphasis is on his governmental rule, his rule and authority, his rule and his reign. And so, as you fast forward 400 years from this prophecy to the life of Jesus stepping onto the scene, he's talking in these terms. But you'll quickly realize, as we'll see in the next number of weeks, that this is an upside-down kingdom. It is not a kingdom of this world. So yes, there there will be no end to his governmental reign. It'll it'll be marked by, by peace and by righteousness and justice. But it'll be unlike anything that we've ever laid our eyes upon. And so from that place of just radical, stark difference from anything we see in this world, there's something that needs to happen deep in our hearts. There's something that needs to happen deep within us in response to an encounter with the kingdom of heaven here and now. And so we're going to dive into this. This right here in Matthew chapter 4, we'll see in most, all the gospels, not most, all all four of the gospels, there's not much given to Jesus' life before his ministry. It's all pretty much centered on those three and a half years of ministry. So right here, right away in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is beginning beginning his ministry. We'll just see right away the theme of the kingdom of heaven, starting in verse 12. It says, Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew withdrew into Galilee. It's John the Baptist, the, the man, the precursor to his ministry. And leaving Nazareth, or Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. I just want you to think of Jesus living in a beachside home here in Capernaum. I think it's important for sometimes us to stop and think about Jesus living life like you and I. If he lived in this place by the sea, he probably had a landlord. He probably paid rent. He lived life. He probably had neighbors. It's important to think of Jesus as human. Yes, he was God, but he was also fully human, and he submerged himself, he immersed himself in life, just like us. So he's, he said goodbye to his parents in Nazareth, and he went down to Capernaum, and he, he stayed at a place near the sea to fulfill this prophecy, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region, the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That became the banner theme of his ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of of heaven is near. Continuing, it says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets, and they followed him. 
And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people, so that his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great, great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. And so his ministry is inaugurated. It has, it's, it's underway. It's on. And the, and the major theme, the major banner theme of his ministry is the kingdom of heaven. But I want you to wrap your minds around the idea that the kingdom of heaven that he was declaring was not just a future hope, although it is. It is an eternal hope, but he says the kingdom of heaven is near or it's at hand. It is before you. Jesus came to declare the kingdom of heaven was amongst them. It was being revealed fully to them today. So the first part where the first verse where this is introduced is right there in verse 16 or 17, sorry. It says, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says the kingdom of heaven is near, it's being revealed to you, and our response to our revelation of the kingdom of heaven is to repent. The reason is, is because the kingdom of heaven is so vastly different than anything we experience in this life, in any natural kingdom, that the the only logical response to an encounter with the kingdom of heaven is to repent. To repent simply means to change one's mind, to change one's attitude, which results in a change of, of lifestyle, to change one's life based on a complete change of thoughts and attitudes. Those are a few definitions of repentance or to repent. And Jesus was calling us to that. He was calling 2,000 years ago the Jews to that very thing. Turn, change your way of thinking, change your way of viewing the world now because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's amongst you. It's near. And Just to illustrate how vastly different the kingdom of heaven is from any, any kingdom of this world. I want, to, I want to walk you through the revelation of King Jesus himself. Because right from the beginning, he began making it very clear that he is, he is presenting and representing a kingdom that's so otherworldly. It's like nothing else. And so right from the beginning, you can see as Jesus comes from where? He comes from little old Israel who is in submission at the, t- at the time of the Roman Empire. So God, right away, he shows that principle that he uses the weak things of this world to shame the wise, to shame the strong. That, that is a principle of the kingdom of heaven that right out of the bat, Jesus demonstrates by picking Israel, this tiny little insignificant country. And Jesus, is he born into prominence and pomp and circumstance? No, he in royalty? No, Jesus is born in obscurity to really just average people. So much obscurity, more obscurity than any of us are ever born into. Jesus is born in the obscurity of being placed into the, into the feeding trough of some livestock. It's so otherworldly. As Jesus is raised, he's raised amongst the common people. It says he's the son of a carpenter. He worked hard. 
You learn just those values of character, integrity, honesty, hard work in the trenches. That is not the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world is privilege and silver platters and titles and positions. And Jesus' kingdom turns it all upside down. And we even see it in his ministry. His ministry is marked by authority. But it's not authority of title and position. The authority that Jesus continually demonstrates in his three and a half years of ministry, it's an authority that comes through demonstration of radical acts of compassion and love and power that cannot be denied. So it doesn't matter what his title is. It doesn't matter who he is, where he came from. The little old insignificant town of Nazareth, it doesn't matter because he walks with an authority that's not given by any human being. His kingdom turns everything upside down and then the, the most um, evident, prominent example of the upside-down nature of the kingdom of heaven is fulfilled through the cross. Our king, the king of this kingdom, does not conquer by dominating, by overcoming others, but instead by laying down his life, by giving his blood, by sacrificing his own, li- by sacrificing his own life, by taking on death itself. That is the upside-down nature of the kingdom of heaven. And being that it is so radically different than anything you will ever conceive or see this side of heaven, the proper response is for us to repent. So here's my, here is my um, explanation of repentance. Because repentance has a bad rap. Repentance in, in the 21st century has a little bit of a bad rap. We think of repentance as very self-destructive. See, we live in a society um, where, where most all of us, we think of ourselves as good people. And I don't think that's bad in and of itself. I mean, I, I hang out with convicted felons, and I hang out with just upstanding citizens of Ames. Everyone thinks they're good people. And I'm not the judge of their goodness, but it's, it's all relative to the, what we see around us. But Jesus comes and represents a kingdom that's so otherworldly, it doesn't matter how you've fared in this world up until this point, when you encounter the kingdom of heaven, it's so radically good, it's so radically different than anything up until that point that it makes it all look like rags, that it makes it all look like filthiness. And we, we, we fall on our knees and we say, we must repent. That's why Jesus says repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, it's at hand. I would say that repentance is not first and foremost about our filthiness. I would say repentance is first and foremost about God's goodness. And then in light of his goodness, we see, wow, I am way off. I am so broken. I am so in desperate need of that goodness that's just been revealed to me. The love of God. And most people do not experience that radical nature of the kingdom of heaven. As Joe was saying, I, or we are in the midst of um, wedding season. And uh, officiated a wedding yesterday, and there's another wedding today. And last weekend there was a wedding, and an uh, amazing couple, dearly loved of ours. And so in the midst of that, I got to uh, reconnect with some former Chi Alpha students, you know, Iowa State alum, and got to hear stories of how they're impacting the marketplace. And, and one of those students specifically, was, she was sharing testimonies with me of how God's using her now in the schools in Cedar Rapids, in a very tough school district. She has a uh, student-to-teacher ratio of 31 to 1, which is crazy. I think my son's class in Gilbert has 19 to 1 ratio, but, but she's just like in the trenches, rocking it for Jesus. Teachers don't last long in the school district, but she's going forth, 
glowing with the joy of Jesus. And so I was reminded of her testimony because she grew up right here in Ames. And she grew up familiar with a form of Christianity that lacked any sort of power, any sort of uh, sense of the kingdom of heaven. It was the sense that many are familiar with here in Iowa, which is God is holy, and I must work my entire life to maybe someday, at the end of it, have enough to show that he would gain my, that I would gain his acceptance, that he would look, he would look fairly upon my, my life, all that I have mustered up. My good works hopefully will outweigh my bad works. That's the form of Christianity she had grown up around. She'd go to church on holidays. Her family would tinker with spiritualism. Until she came to Iowa State and God had her number because the kingdom of heaven was revealed to her. I remember the winter conference where she gave her life to Christ. She encountered the goodness of God, and for the first time in her life, she realized that the grace of God was enough for her, that God fully paid for her, for her, for her sins. He already paid and made the way. And it's at that fall conference, for the first time in her life, she realized she could have relationship with God. This wasn't just some uh, rat, rat race or grand experiment for her to see if she could muster up enough good works, but instead she was invited into an actual relationship with God Almighty. And her life was radically changed. I remember that same winter conference in the, in the hotel pool. We were baptizing students in water, and, and there she was in her street clothes. As she was watching other students profess their faith in Jesus publicly, she's like, I want, I want to do that. And she jumped in the water in her street clothes, and we baptized her in water. That's, just, that's an indication. That type of radical, quick response is an indication of a person actually encountering the kingdom of heaven. They've seen the goodness of God. They've seen the love of God. And it's so starkly, radically different, vastly different than anything that we see on this, in this uh, plane that it requires full repentance. She's like, I'm in. Mystery clothes, I don't care. I'm in. So give repentance a chance. I just encourage you. Let down your guard when it comes to repentance. When you encounter the goodness and the grace of God, it requires a 180 degree change. An about face, a complete change of mind, of attitude, of values, resulting in a change of lifestyle. So the second mention then in this passage of the kingdom of heaven comes later as, as it, it's kind of describing the, the following weeks and months of his ministry. Where he says, he pro, he's proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So I believe this, secondly, a main emphasis of Jesus' ministry, of this theme of the kingdom of heaven and Jesus' ministry, is that we need to believe that the kingdom of heaven is good news for today. He was not proclaiming a kingdom of heaven for some future date. He was not preaching to the, the poor and the afflicted and the oppressed and saying, hold on, I'm proclaiming a future hope. He was proclaiming a future hope, but he was proclaiming its relevance to the here and now. And he did that. He proclaimed the kingdom of heaven, and then he healed the sick. He set free those that were afflicted. He set free those that were oppressed. And I believe throughout Christian history, different Christian groups at different moments have used the, the, the idea of Jesus coming to save us and the hope that he brought as an escape from this world. 
And, and we, we only focus on the future hope, the eternality of, of the, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, which, we, which I 100% affirm. We need to talk about eternal life. The fact that this life is but a vapor, it's so short in the grand scheme of things, that's why we, we need to respond to the kingdom of heaven now. But I believe many people's eyes are not open to the kingdom of heaven now because the church has not been proclaiming its relevance to now. Instead, we're just proclaiming, yes, some, someday after you pass, there's a kingdom awaiting you. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of heaven is here. It's here and now. And it's today, so come, yes, come, you that are oppressed, you that are afflicted. God has been breaking my heart for our church lately in the place of prayer. And I, I just want to encourage you to come sometime, at some point this summer, to midweek prayer. Maybe you can take an extended uh, lunch or something from your, from your workplace or carve out a little time in your week. Wednesdays from noon to one, but God has just been showing up in our midweek prayer times and as I've just been spending time in prayer, God has been opening my eyes to the situations that so many of us face and about how he is the answer for those situations. When it says right here in Matthew chapter 4 that he sets free the oppressed and the afflicted, do you think that is relevant to us today? It is. It's fully relevant. And so we can be a church that's not just patting people on the back but saying, hey, we have an answer it's Jesus Christ, and as people turn to Christ, the power of God shows up, power of God responds, and, and fixes situations, transforms lives, transforms situations in a moment. That is how Jesus actually taught us to pray. Two chapters later, Matthew chapter 6, the disciples asked Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? We've seen you pray. You pray differently. Can you teach us how to pray? He says, start by, by praising the Father, saying, declaring that he's set apart, he is so different, he is fully set apart, he is holy. Hallowed be the name of the Father. Then he says, pray this, pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus teaches us how to pray, and he says, pray now that the kingdom of heaven be done on earth. That's how he teaches us how to pray. I think that's profound for our lives. If you lack confidence in prayer, if you say, I don't know how to pray, Drew. I feel like I'm just kind of blabbering. I don't know what to say to God. Jesus taught us how to pray. You can pray that just as things are in heaven, that they be done here on earth. If there's struggles in your marriage, pray that the peace of heaven would begin to rest upon your marriage. If your kids are crazy and rebellious and like you don't know what to do with them. Pray that the peace and the, the righteousness of heaven would be seen in your home with your kids. If your heart is beginning to break for your schools or for your, for your workplace, say, God, I pray that your will be done in my workplace as it is in heaven. So just to give you a little bit more insight into that, I, I, want, to, I want to do a little exercise here. Just imagine for a moment, if you can, Imagine for a moment walking the streets of heaven. So if you have no frame of reference, heaven is this, a place of no tears, no crying, no death, no sickness, um, no division. The presence of God, the peace of God is there. So if you can, muster up an image of heaven and you're walking the streets of heaven. Do you think as you're walking the streets of heaven, you're, you, off in the corner you would see 
uh, a wife and husband shouting at each other, having a domestic uh, dispute. I don't think so. As you continue your walk, would you see a, a beggar on the street asking for money? No, no, you wouldn't. As you continue your, your tour of heaven, would you see someone on crutches hobbling along with a, with a gimp leg? No, you would not. And, and on and on the tour would go. You would see life, you'd see joy, you'd see wholeness, you'd see vitality, you'd see energy. You'd see the, the peace and the presence of God represented on every street corner, in every home, in every workplace. That is a glimpse into heaven. And Jesus said, pray that just as it is in heaven, pray that that happen here on earth, that the kingdom of heaven would invade this earth. So now bring yourself back to earth. And that gives you clear insight into how to pray. Pray that the peace of God would penetrate situations. The righteousness of Jesus. The presence of God. You know, as, as we're in heaven, we're just fully immersed in waves of the presence of Jesus. So we're praying for that to happen here in Ames. We're praying for that to happen in our homes. That informs us how to pray. God, I pray that your will be done here in Ames as it is in heaven. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Over the next number of weeks, we're going to be diving into this, the, this theme of the kingdom of heaven. And then specifically, these two ideas of repent and believe, I believe they are the doorway to experiencing the good news of Jesus Christ. For those that have never responded to Jesus, it is the initial doorway. For those that walk with Jesus and were immersed in a natural world, it requires that we continually walk in a spirit of repentance and stirring up fresh faith and belief in the kingdom of heaven here and now. And so I'm praying over the next five or six weeks that we would stir up in a fresh way, fresh repentance, fresh faith, and fresh belief that the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. God wants to reveal that to us in a fresh way. I just want to end with reading Hebrews chapter 1, which is not on the screen, but just listen to this, because this gives one last glimpse of the upside-down nature of the kingdom of heaven. And, and then for you and I to realize the, um, the essence of the time in which we live. We live at, the, at a right moment in history. We, we, should be, we should be overflowing with gratitude that we get to live today at this moment with the revelation that we have of Jesus as king of this kingdom of heaven. We haven't, we, they haven't, and throughout history, they haven't had this revelation. But uh, listen to this, Hebrews chapter one. It says, long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is, that is Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, 
Where did he sit down? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, described the kingdom of heaven, and then he fully established access to this kingdom. And he said now he sits at the, at the right hand of majesty on high. After making purification of sins, he made the way for you and I to fully live immersed in the kingdom of heaven. I want us to respond right now. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes. I believe there's two major responses. Those who right now do not have a relationship with Christ, I wanna give you an opportunity to make things right with Christ. He said he paid for the, the purification of our sins. He made a way and we right now, we can respond and say, God, I, I wanna I want be made right in your eyes. I wanna be, want be made new. I want in, into the kingdom of heaven. The second response is for those that are currently already in right relationship with Christ. But you fully know, just as I know, that this natural kingdom is constantly stealing our correct vision for what, um, for what, for what we read here in Matthew. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is near. And so often we settle for submitting ourselves to the kingdom of this world rather than the kingdom of heaven. And I believe the proper response as believers it's the same, it's to repent and to believe. If you're in this place and you're part of that, that first group, you'd say, Drew, I, I don't have a relationship with Christ. This morning, I wanna be made right. I wanna respond right now. I want Jesus to be my savior. Would you just raise your hand in this place? I wanna give you an opportunity. raised your hand or even if you didn't you can pray like this Lord right now I choose to respond to your goodness and your grace I see it as the sufficient answer for all my life issues that I continually to go I, I continually go and go and go and try to make something in my life but I always fall short and now I realize that you are the answer you are the savior so I choose to surrender my life fully to you, no turning back. I repent, I do a 180. I change my thinking now about my life in light of your love and your grace. If you're part of that second group and you are walking with Christ, but you know there's more and you know that there's more to your daily living even, Monday through Saturday, that you want Right now, I just ask that you'd respond to Jesus. Respond right now. Say, God, I repent of settling for a mindset that's not in line with the kingdom of heaven. I settle, I mean, I, I, I repent of settling for any sort of lifestyle, any attitude that's less than the fullness of what I see represented in the kingdom of heaven in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Just respond right now.
as we repent and believe, I believe God's going to show up this week and in the weeks to follow, specifically answering issues and situations that you face. If you feel oppressed, I believe God can set you free as you repent and set your, your eyes on the kingdom of heaven here and now. If you are sick in your body, believe as you turn your eyes towards Christ. I believe he can set you free. He can heal you in a moment, just as we read here in Matthew chapter 4. It was fully relevant even to the sick and those that had diseases. If you can't find a way forward in your marriage, I believe here in the weeks to come, as we set our eyes on the kingdom of heaven, the wind of heaven can be blown into your home. There can be peace and righteousness and love that rules and reigns in that place. Would you just stand across this place? Worship team is just going to lead us in this bridge and then I'm going to dismiss us. It's just a clear de- declaration of what our expectation is. Even this summer, let's, let's just declare this right now. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.